0: Welcome to the Heartbeat for Hire podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Dowd. In my 25 years of sales experience, I've managed some of the most prestigious accounts in the world, negotiated multi-million dollar deals without sacrificing relationships, and built successful sales organizations where folks were knocking down the door to be a part of the rich, fun culture we created. My goal is to help train leaders and sales organizations how to manage and deliver results with empathy, compassion, and kindness. Each week, I'll share strategies you can take with you to invest in your people in a way that redefines the fabric of your sales organization and your company as a whole. I have an arsenal of tips and tricks up my sleeve and have a decorated sales career to leverage. Let's get started. Greetings and welcome to this episode of Heartbeat for Hire. I have a fabulous guest today, Tommy Breedlove. He is the Wall Street Journal and USA Today best-selling author of the book Legendary, which I have right here, and the founder of the Legendary Life Movement, a movement that empowers driven people to be pros in leadership, business, mindset, and their relationships. As a leadership, business, relationship, and mindset coach, who is a regular keynote speaker at global events. Tommy started his 20-year corporate career at one of the largest financial consulting firms in the world and eventually became a shareholder, the international practice leader, and a member of the board of directors for one of the largest public accounting and financial firms in the Southeast. At the top of his career, Tommy experienced a transformational moment, which we are going to talk about, inspiring him to walk away from the corporate world and change his life and follow his true calling. Welcome, Tommy. We're so excited to have you here.
1: Lindsay, so grateful and humbled to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And by the way, that was the official bio we were talking about. We didn't have a bio. There it was. I need to there shorten was. that thing up. I, I need to shorten I mean, that up. That's. I, I started falling asleep there toward the end. So we had to, shorten I had that to squish it up. down.
0: There was more. So uh, guys, we're talking to a real rock star here. So Tommy, for those who have not yet read the book, which they really should, you have a really incredible backstory. Can you share a little bit of that?
1: Yeah, so I'll do I'll do it quickly, so we can talk about the work. Is I uh, I grew up super humble, hardworking, blue collar beginnings in the South Side of Atlanta. Um, was slated to be the first person to go to college in my family. Uh, no one had ever gone to the professional world um, from the Breedlove family, and unfortunately, I grew up in and around a lot of violence and more more abuse inside and out of the home. And and at eighteen years old, I became what I hated. I became that violence and abuse. And I had five full scholarships to a lot of universities and committed a violent crime at 18, mm. uh, looked at uh, seven years in prison fell on charge. Luckily, it was dropped to a misdemeanor, uh, but I was sentenced to two years and um, ended up uh, in, I ended up spending my 19th birthday in a cage, which was not very, much, very fun. I was supposed to be at uh university of Georgia or university of Miami or anywhere, but there um, but, uh, African-American gentleman who was in his forties, mentored me, looked out for me, called me young blood. Um, and said, you're not going to become a part of this revolving door system. And with his help and guidance, my grit, and I knew I didn't want to go back to this institution. And I knew I didn't want to go back to that neighborhood. When I got out, I went to work for a nuclear waste container factory during the right. day, community college at night, um, it was brutal work and then put myself through college at night. Um, that, that work actually cost me a hernia and a back surgery. That's how hard that work was. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm proud of is I, I did end up at the University of Georgia, go dogs, but I went literally from a cage to Deloitte in three years and fast forward a little bit. Um, you know, I thought if I just outworked everybody, you know, I was a Southside kid, I what didn't have a pedigree, went to the University of Georgia. I thought if I just outworked, out hustled, and outmaneuvered everybody, but I did have charisma and I did have brains. I would make it to the top quickly. And I did. Um, I was recruited out of there to two other firms and there I was at 36. And I thought, you know, I remember I came from humble beginnings. So I thought the, the corner office, the shiny watch, the fancy suit, the cars, uh, the pretty girl, all that external stuff would make me happy. And it didn't. And I was still alone. I was still afraid and I was still angry and I couldn't figure out why, like there was no bonus success deal um, corner office, shiny thing that would, you know, or status that was making me happy. And I was like, what, why am I so miserable? So for me, I didn't choose wisely. I chose to live basically what you see in Mad Men and the Wolf of Wall Street. I chose that lifestyle because I thought it would make me feel powerful. I thought it would make me happy. And I thought it was the cool thing to do. And unfortunately, the second time in my life, I almost lost everything at 36 years old found myself laying in a ditch looking up at the blue sky, thinking, my God, how did I get here? Half dressed, didn't know where my car was. And at that moment I said, you know what, I don't know if you're gonna get uh, t- try number three here. I don't I don't think you're gonna get a third go here. You know, why don't you go figure out who you are, where you're going, and what you stand for instead of living in fear, living in anger, feeling alone, and all the insecurity and trying to make people matter who didn't matter. Um, and so I literally went on this, I, you can call it rock bottom or spiritual journey. I don't care what you call it, but I, uh, I made me my full-time job with coaching, with therapists, reading every book I could get my hand on. Um, I mean, I just worked with coaches, joined me. I mean, you name it. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's what happened in those three years. Um, in the three years that I decided to make me my full-time job, and I'm talking about working on courage, self-confidence, self-leadership, my heart muscle, my mind muscle, my spirit muscle. I never, la- I never planned on leaving the big firms. And in those firms, I went from junior partner, senior partner, international practice leader, owner, and then elected to the board of directors at 39. And uh, most of the people were in their 60s. And uh, my income doubled, my network 10X in all the right way. And, I, and, and my marriage went from life support to just incredibly strong because mm-hmm. um, she started doing the work with me, which was just incredible. Still does to this day. Um, but more importantly, peace of mind courage, self-confidence, presence, patience, happiness, and joy. That's what really I found. And then the phone just started ringing off the hook. And there I am, a senior partner at this firm. All of these uh, corporate executives, I'm talking from 70 years old to 25 years old, these corporate executives, these entrepreneurs, these bankers, these lawyers, these private equity people started reaching out to me saying, hey, man, let's grab coffee, get a beer, go for a walk. And I'm like, okay, we'll go do some more deals together. And none of them wanted to talk business. They wanted to talk about what did you do? Because they saw such an incredible change in me. They saw such an incredible peace in me. I went from being arrogant, which is just insecurity on steroids, to humble and quiet. And they just said, hey, how did you do it? teach me how to do it. And over time I'm like, and then they go, you got to write a book. Mm-hmm. And so eventually I didn't hear him at first. It took me years to do it, but eventually I wrote a book called legendary and it's all about self leadership, self mastery, self confidence, and and really being in charge of your life and not letting your life be in charge of you. And um, I, at that moment, I decided to sell my equity in the firm, uh, walk away from a lot of money and um, chase this dream of building a legendary life movement. And so we built that movement. Um, we run executive and entrepreneurs retreats, uh, you name it, experiences, masterminds, community. And it, it's all about bringing the ambitious, driven to better, but not only to be pros in business and money, but to be pros in your life, to be pros in your mindset, to be pro in a courage, but more importantly, pros in your relationships with your friends, family. And so that was my story. Thanks, Lindsay.
0: (laughs) I mean, okay, and we're done. That's it. That's a wrap. No, well, I hope we Um,
1: hope we gotta get through that fast because, like, talking about the work. No, (laughs) that was
0: fantastic, and it sets me up so well for so many questions. But. One of the questions I want to talk about, because you know, I practice, um, I teach a lot about leadership and um, being a positive leader and being someone who sees people and values people. And I want to talk about the transformation because I think there is a myth out there that people, I hear a lot, especially in sales of, I've been doing it this way for 15 years. I'm successful. Look at me, look where I am, look at what I've achieved. And they don't acknowledge or recognize that A, they can change, B, they should change. And so talk a little bit about what what happened for you and how has it worked for other leaders who maybe had that arrogant style and when they did make that shift, what did it mean?
1: Well, the number one failure in leadership, and I'm talking about leadership in business, leadership at home, leadership of self, is self-awareness, knowing thyself and um change is difficult looking in the mirror is difficult holding yourself accountable is difficult but what i would say to those people are they truly successful mm-hmm. and success i would what does definition of success mean does that mean planes and cars and condos and lake houses i feel kind of guilty i'm literally standing in a lake house um but is that success or success freedom mm-hmm. is success love is success uh, a feeling of i got this like I don't really care. I don't let people who don't matter, matter anymore. Mm. Success, true friendships, success head up shoulders back mm. and not being arrogant and loud, trying to prove to everyone something that you're not and wearing a bunch of masks. If that person you're talking about is successful, both at home in his friendships and his family and his relationship with a significant other and at work. And he is a truly respected and loved leader you my friend are in the point zero 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 one percent congratulations oh, but sorry. if they're <laughs> but it's if there's so, <laughs> 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 hey you know they built religions off people like that <laughs> billion people religions uh-huh. all over the world so uh-huh. um kudos to you maybe you're the next but what I would say to that is is if you really want to look in the mirror and look at your relationships look at your self-confidence and self-respect are you pretending to be something you're not? Yeah. Are you truly successful or is it just a mirage? And are you truly you? I didn't want to be anybody else anymore. Um, and I I honestly don't, I'm not for everybody. Our movement's not for everybody. I don't want to be for everybody. I am the exact opposite of group think. Mm-hmm. And so for what I would ask people is look in the mirror. That's the problem and the solution. Are there areas in your life that you're not taking 100% responsibility for? Or also, are you waiting for more and when, which is a horizon, you're Mm -hmm. it's like swimming to the horizon, you'll never get there when I have this, or when I have more of this, or when I've achieved this, I will then focus on my relationship, my family, my health. And that comes with regret that comes with catastrophic failure that comes with misery, it comes with a whole lot of other complications. And so for me, I would ask those people. You know, change is hard, and what I what I'm tired of hearing, and that you're talking to one it takes one to know one, is we don't have to hit that proverbial rock bottom mm-hmm. to then change. You know, where mm-hmm. in your life do you want to sharpen the pencil and get better? Are you tr- are you a true pro? or Are you a manager? Because you get or, or an amateur. You can be a true pro in business and an absolute amateur in life. And what good is that anyway? Because that yeah. means you're miserable. Or you could be a true pro at home and then you can't feed yourself. Well, that doesn't work either. So it's self-awareness, it's self-awareness. And you know we're in the business of taking people from ignorance to literally awareness, from awareness to transformation, to mastery, not only in success in business, but in life. So that's what I would say. Do they want it? And if they don't want it, kudos, keep doing what you're doing.
0: Well, you t- you you, t- you hit on a, a, a something that made me think of the word blame, and right now in our culture is um, everybody wants to blame people for their misfortune, and it might not even be misfortune. It might be a predicament. It might be, you know, I can't get promoted because you know so and so is in my way, or you know, I can't get through to my family because, and it's everybody else's fault, mm-hmm. and. Um, so true. I think you teach a lot of accountability and, you know, share your thoughts on, on blame, because look at where you came from, look at your story and you were living in that for so long and it didn't serve you.
1: The first thing I would say is everybody who believes they're a victim or entitled. And those are sisters, by the way, mm. I'm entitled to this. You owe me. I this. Deserve I deserve, it. Yeah. I deserve, what a terrible word. You don't deserve shit. You either earn <laughs> it or you don't. Um, so sorry about that. But the, um, But literally, it's not their fault. It's not our fault. The victimhood and entitled drum beats every day and it's loud and it's sexy. If you don't believe that, turn on CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News. Mm -hmm. And they are telling you someone else who believes something different than you is trying to take something from you. Yeah. Victimhood, victimhood. And you deserve better. You're entitled to better. So what they're doing is making you a puppet and they're the puppeteers. You look at social media, Instagram, fabulous, envy, envy, envy. My life is so good. Look at me on the surfboard, blah, blah, blah. And it's all fake. Then you got LinkedIn successful. Me, 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 me. It's all facades. And so how can we not feel like we're entitled to something? How can we not feel angry? How can we not feel sad because poison is literally going in our eyes and ears, damn near all of every, our waking at moments. every
0: corner of the room. Yeah.
1: And and then you turn on Netflix, Hulu, Apple TV, and it's poison, 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 poison. It's division. Yeah. It's uh it's just not it's just anger, it's sex, it's drugs, it's violence, it's you know, now we're politically correct on everything. And it's just, it's just that's promoting a victimhood and entitlement. Yeah. And so it's not your fault. And so for us, um, for what we believe in is we want to be the lion, not the sheep. We want to be the puppeteers and not the puppets. And we want to turn off the noise and be 100% accountable yeah. to our life, our love, our happiness, making impact and our success. That's what we stand for. and we are absolutely allergic and we're fighting against all those things we talked about and we're allergic to laziness, we're yeah. allergic to apathy, we're allergic to entitlement, we're allergic to victimhood. but How can human beings, it's not that they're bad people, 99.99% of people are beautiful people. They're loving people, but we're being told from birth to social media, to CNN, to our teachers, to our preachers, to our rabbis, to then 24 hour news network, it's fear, division, entitlement, victimhood. How can you not feel that? So if you're, you're consuming poison in your eyes and ears, It's going to change the way you think. It's going to change your story. It's going to change the way you think about yourself. And it's going to change the way you look at Sarah across the street. Mm -hmm. Well, Sarah and I have been friends for 20 years, but Fox News tell me I I don't like Sarah anymore because Sarah voted for something I didn't vote for. Therefore, I got to hate Sarah. That is being a puppet and not a puppeteer. Yeah, I hate that. And I I hate it.
0: I think people have lost their compass. Um, with all of what you've just described. And I think so much of what you do and what I try and do is to create this um, safe space for people to rise up and to find their purpose. And that just leads me to purpose because you talk a lot about purpose. And I feel as a leader, you have to define your team's purpose. And when you do that, people understand their contribution. They understand why their work is meaningful, but you have your views on purpose. Talk about that
1: yeah the first thing that I, I want people to hear though, let's go back and then we'll go into purpose is um, we've got to take our power back. Mm-hmm. and the only the only power you have in your entire life is your choices. Yeah, you can choose to tune into all that noise and garbage. and anything you're not paying for, you are the product. And so to be manipulated and to be told how to think, or you can start thinking for yourself. So it's all, it starts with self-leadership and building that emotional, spiritual, mental muscle. When I say spiritual, I'm not talking religion. I'm talking about Mm -hmm. what connects us to all that is. So you got to get strong. So you have to prioritize yourself first. So I want to say that then purpose is where you find fulfillment. It's where you find impact. It's where you find meaning to life. So if you're out there in the professional world or you're just getting started or you're just lost and you look up at the sky or at a fire, or you're taking a walk, like, what does this all mean? Does this all matter? Well, yes. The only thing that you were put here on this earth is to serve and to make this place better than you found it. Touch people and make them better than you found it and touch the world and make it better than you found it. That's your purpose. And you can either do that within your profession or outside of your profession, or you can use your profession to do that outside of your profession. Or if you're very lucky, you can do both. Mm. Fortunately, I get to do both. Mm. And There's so many different opinions about purpose, but you know, what it is, is it's how we serve. And what I love about our purpose is it changes during the seasons of your life. So your purpose now might not be your purpose tomorrow, might not be your purpose let me tell you what purpose is not. It is not your children. Mm-hmm. They are your responsibility. That is higher than purpose. Mm-hmm. Your purpose is where you serve this earth. You need to hold accountable your children, love your children, inspire your children, lead them children, tell them that they're not special snowflakes and that they will fail and let them fail.
0: <laughs> yes. Let but them they fail. are your
1: responsibility, which is higher than purpose. Your job is to go get them to help them find their purpose. Your purpose is where you serve with your God-given talents and make someone, some organization, some business, some community better than you found it. And that's where your God-given talents meets things that you enjoy doing, meets something you wanna see for a community, a person in the world. So purpose is super important, but that's where we find impact, meaning, fulfillment, and something bigger than us in life. And it helps us get out of the bed and not go, God, when you first get up. And then Mm -hmm. instead of saying, oh my God, today's gonna stink, you say, wow, I'm grateful that I get one more day, one more breath, and I'm going to go make an impact today, even if it's tiny.
0: Yeah. I love that. Um, all right, let's shift and talk a little bit about self-sabotage and imposter syndrome. Mm.
1: The first thing I would say there is everybody's got it. Yeah. Uh, everybody has, what if they figure out, I don't know what I'm doing, including this guy here. I mean, I had it I just less and less every day. Um, because I work my butt off every day to be a little bit better than I were yesterday. I mean, I'm in the coaching business. I work with coaches. I run masterminds and experiences and retreats. I go to masterminds, experiences, and retreats. I pay for what I sell. Mm-hmm. And so for me, everybody has a story and voice in their head. We're taught it. We've talked about who taught it to us. It's not that they're, let me be clear. The 24-hour news networks, it's malicious. It's intentional. And it is it is intentional and it is malicious. But our parents, our teachers, our society, the people we hang out with, it's not it, they're they're not malicious bad people. It's just what they were taught. And they teach it to us. So somewhere in our brains, we tell ourselves a story of I'm not good enough. Of It's fear. I'm worried. What if they figure out I don't know what I'm doing? I have to be perfect, which is impossible. Um, and so we've got this, I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. I'm not sexy enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not rich enough, blah, 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 whatever it is, yeah. because we're constantly, they're beating the envy and uh, the envy drum all day long too. Mm-hmm. So the key is, is the first thing that everybody has to know is they are not alone. The second thing is, is be authentic about it. Say, I don't know, or, More importantly, find you a tribe of like-minded people where you can walk this life together and have authentic conversations and be vulnerable and tell people, man, I don't know if I know what I'm doing. People want to help you who are conscious, who are like-minded, and who are also doing the work. Don't go tell some pain-driven person that you don't have it figured out. They will use it against you. So find your tribe. Know you're not alone. Be authentic about it. Ask for help. We are craving authenticity. Yeah. craving it because so everything is so fake and everybody's got a mask on and trying to be perfect, but nobody's perfect. If we were perfect and immoral, this life would be super, super, super boring.
0: Well, and the imperfections is what makes us interesting. I mean, I, I, I use a lot of self-deprecating stories of things I've done wrong. So other people don't do the same things. And let's That's talk about wisdom. Well, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and it's also humor. Like I definitely try and inject a lot of humor into what I do because life can be really serious and I don't want to see people make the same mistakes. So talk a little bit about your observations with leaders and vulnerability and you know, who's done it well. And.
1: Yeah. A lot of people do it. Well, um, what I love So here's what people want in their leaders. Um, the number one trait that people want is confidence. Mm-hmm. Not just confident in your craft, because all of us, if we're getting paid for it, are pretty confident in our crafts. Yeah. Um, but they see value in it and they pay for it. I'm talking about confident in yourself. Mm-hmm. Is I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm talking about self-love, self-respect, yeah. and self-awareness. And people know when you're confident. They know when you're insecure. They know when you're worried. And if they see arrogance and I've got it and I know this, I never asked for help. They know you're weak. So I'm not talking about confidence just in your craft. We've seen thousands and thousands of people who are very good at what they do. Look at the CEOs, athletes, entertainers, musicians, and rock stars, and actors who go shoot themselves because they are very good in their crafts, but they were weak when it comes to real self-confidence and self-awareness. So number one, people follow confidence. And we'll get to the authenticity and vulnerability in a second. Number two, they follow optimism. Nobody wants a negative Nelly. Nobody wants the glasses half full. Now we're beating the recession drum. Boom, ba-da-dum, ba-da-dum, ba-da-dum. how many recessions does this country go through? Hundreds, 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 and we're okay. Um, so they want optimism. They want someone who's fired up and they've got this. Number three, they want authenticity. Mm -hmm. Um, They want people who are real. They want people who are asked for help. They want people who share wisdom. I'm not talking about authentic and vulnerable. Doesn't mean going in and emotionally vomiting to your people, telling them how you drank too much last night. That's stupid.
0: No, I don't even like that
1: word. (laughs) Authenticity means you're teaching them. I was here.
0: Yeah.
1: I failed at this. I did this. And now it looks like this. So that's being authentic. Being authentic means asking for help. Being authentic means we've got this together. And let's. And yes, you do need to make a decision, but do it with your team. And sometimes just saying, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And being vulnerable is saying, I don't know. It is not emotionally vomiting. And the final thing they're looking for is consistency, is showing up and honoring your word, doing what you're going to say you're going to do. Show up. If you show up for your people and your appointments, you are 90% ahead of everybody else. Yeah. And so and if you do those other things, now you're in the exception. And so for me, who's do, who is an authentic leader out there? No one in Congress, no one um, in the president and any of the last presidents we've had. But what you see is on, on an authentic, authenticity standpoint, either you love him or you don't. That's an Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give two flying flips, what you think. Mm-mm. And, um, but he's an elite, he's an elite talent when it comes to the brain standpoint.
0: He's, a strange, he, he's and- a strange dude. He's a strange
1: dude. Love him or hate he's, him. He's authentic. Yeah. He's him. Um, I'm I'm, ta- I'm talking about people like there's a hundred people I know, but they wouldn't know who they are. Mm-hmm. Another one that I really, really like is Joe Rogan as mm-hmm. an authentic standpoint. I don't listen to a show. I don't watch MMA, but he brings on Republicans and Democrats. He has real conversations. He talks about his weaknesses. Um, he's just Joe, mm-hmm. um, and people are craving that authenticity. Yeah. So, if if you want to be more successful, leader, take off your mask, take off your armor, ask for help, and they will they will walk through walls for you. As opposed yeah. to I got this and not showing weakness. But you know what? We're talking about the one percent. Which is, I know everybody on the listening to this podcast, like, oh, I am that one percent <laughs> nonsense. Um, you can be. Well, you you choose to be.
0: You you hit on something that I I try and teach and. I I always tell leaders, you have to ask your direct reports, how can I be the best leader for you? And when you ask that question, you are admitting you don't know everything. And it is a humbling question. I've asked it myself. And you're going to get different answers from everyone you ask it of. But it's such an important thing because you're letting yourself be open, you're letting yourself be vulnerable, and you're giving people an opportunity to tell you to tell you what they need. And I just think that's an admirable thing to do as a leader. And it's okay if you're out of your depth. It's okay if you don't know everything. You have to ask. You have to figure out a way through whatever predicament you're in. And yeah, there's the fake it till you make it, but I don't know that that lasts for very long. <laughs> You really have to kind of get the answers. And like you said, surround yourself with the tribe of people that are going to support you, support your dream and figure, help you find the path to get to where you want to go.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. that. Um, I will caveat it. UK, if I caveat it, I see it. There's a few steps before that, but it starts with us is knowing ourselves first Mm -hmm. and leading ourselves first. So as leaders, are we being authentic? Are we working on being a better leader? Are we yeah. growing and learning every day? Are we working with coaches? Are we getting stronger and more confident and more humble every day? Right. That's step one. And step two is surrounding yourself with the same type of people. There's probably people in your organization that are toxic and I would fire them yesterday. Yeah, um, I mean, literally toxic, but that's on us as leaders. We hired them because pain likes pain. But the once we start working on ourselves, leading ourselves, becoming self-aware, becoming more confident, more Mm -hmm. courageous, and more humble. Then we look for people who are like us, a players like a players. Yeah. So that way, when you go to them and say, how can I lead you better? How can I lead myself better? Where is my blind spot? You know, you're getting an aware conscious Mm -hmm. loving answer and not some toxic person who will use that to knock you out of the park. So we can't ask for help or feedback from toxic emo- uh, unconscious unaware energy vampires who pain likes pain mm-hmm. that's my only conf- caveat there well in, in i don't go life? to the i don't go to the post office looking for bread and so <laughs> i i know yeah. when someone is working on themselves yeah. and in our practice Because we're in the self-mastery and leadership money success space. Mm. We invest in our people heavily. We we let them join masterminds. We buy them therapists. We send them to trainings. I mean, we're constantly helping them be better people. So we practice what I preach. And so you got to make sure you got healthy people on your team before you ask them, how can I lead better and how what can I be? Because They're going to use it. The pain people are going to use it against you. The healthy people will use it for you. And here's it. I'm going to give you a pro tip. Change a relationship. Ask your significant other, how can I love you better? You're welcome. That's That's worth everything you paid, Lindsay.
0: Free advice for Tommy, get it here. (laughs) Um, So, Tommy, talk to me about culture because you know this is a big focus uh, for me and what I try and I I am trying to move the needle on a large scale to really help people not be subjected to this toxic culture that we were just talking about. And for those organizations, I'm talking to one right now where uh, (laughs) the COO that I'm talking to said, "My company's culture is in the toilet. I have." to transform. I was brought in to help transform this company. I mean, let's talk about the effects of toxic culture and, you know, maybe your thoughts on where do you start? I mean, I know where I start, but I'd love to hear where you start.
1: Yeah. So culture starts the, I hate to say it at the leader. It's the, it's where it all began or the leadership. I'm usually, it's usually one to six people. It doesn't matter how big the organization is. I mean, it can be thousands and thousands of people. So And culture is so simple and it's, we make it so hard. Um, I mean, we make it so, so hard. So again, it talks about, I think culture is, is just a combination of a few things. It's a knowing who you are, where you're going and who's coming with you. If you don't know who you are, where you're going and who's coming with you, hire Lindsay, come see me. I mean, this is what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, Who are you? Where are you going? And who's coming with you? And you got to have the right people on the bus who believe who you are, where you're going, and you got to want them to come with you. So that's number one. Number two is consistency. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not honoring appointments and you're not showing up, you're not doing the things you need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, You say one thing and do another. You can't just have words on a mission, vision statement. They don't mean anything. Um, you got to walk the walk every day. You got to honor that. You have got to measure it. You got to hold yourself accountable to it. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, it starts with who you are, where you're going, who's coming with you. That's your whole mission, vision, vision. And there's a billion people out there who are preaching that and selling it. So go find one. They're probably pretty good at what they do. If you know if they've done it before. Number two, though, is consistency, consistency, and consistency. And I'm gonna be very clear. Number three is giving a shit who they are personally.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's investing it in them all the time. Yep. It's investing in them. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about, you're going to make them professionally successful. Yep. You're going to fit into what you, you didn't, we're not a not-for-profit. We're not here to be cuddle. We're not a daycare. We're not family. If you're saying we are family in your organization, you are failing. Family is dysfunctional. Look at your own family. If you can't find the crazy one, you're it. You don't choose your family. <laughs> You don't don't choose your family. You choose a world-class team who you want to do life and business with. So don't call them a family. That's bad culture. Families are dysfunctional. Teams are functional.
0: I think the people that say it's family act more like it's the mob.
1: Yeah, right. Or the mob. Yeah,
0: I've had those leaders are like, we're family, we do things for each other. No, that means you're sacrificing your soul to get the job done. That's what that meant.
1: Amen to that. And what I uh, so to me, it's really caring about who they are, and making them successful, not only at work, which you're going to do, that's going to be your priority. But also making them successful humans, Mm -hmm. making them more successful at home, making them more successful in their blind spots, caring about who they are as a person. And it's not about money, money, money. It's about caring. So let me say it again. Who are you? Where are you going? Who's coming with you? Consistency. Mm -hmm. Walking the walk every day. Do what you say you're going to do and giving a shit about the people.
0: Well, and when you take that time to get to know people and to understand what motivates them, what are their career aspirations? I hate when leaders say, I don't have enough time to do one-on-ones, well, then you shouldn't be a and leader. And you will fail. You should not be a leader. If you Correct. can't make that time for your people and at least know what's going on in their lives, you have failed. So well, it's a trickle I-
1: down, isn't it? You got the leader. And let's say you're at a 10,000 person organization. You got your leader. But I guarantee you that leader has four other world-class leaders around them. Yep. You've got to care about them as people. you got to honor the time, make them more successful. How do you help them be authentic? Yep. Make sure they're they're who they are, where they're going. They're all aligned and they will trickle that down and it trickles down, trickles down. But let me tell you, one breach of integrity, one, not how you do anything is how you do everything. One time that you screw up and say something regretful or you're not being consistent or you're not walking the walk or you're not honoring your core values and visions. It takes, it, you lose immediate respect, immediate sure, sure. credibility, and it takes forever to get it back. I have failed on that countless times and I'm like my god now I'm gonna have to work to fix that we're human own it yeah be accountable for it apologize for it say I didn't honor the core values I did it I had done it within the last three months on my team Mm -hmm. and uh, my team knows they can call me out by the way I got to tell you this real quick story I had a one of my top people goes Tommy you know we write about rest we just don't do it and I was like ooh. Oh boy, i to take a nap. I was like heard. <laughs> so I gave this person the next three days off and like I started honoring their boundaries because I expect people to be the machine that I am, and yeah. they can't be the machine that I am. So yeah. I love that they can call me out on our core values and feel confident with doing well, it. Too.
0: He told you what he needed and you listened. And I think that's the trait of a good leader and being able to say, okay, you love speaking in front of people. I got to afford you more opportunities to do that. And you love working on analytics. Let's see if we can find something for you to sink your teeth into. But if you don't have that awareness and you don't have that knowledge of who's on your team, then you're missing it. And, And how do you advocate for these people? How do you build a career for them or a career path for them or connect them with people who need to see them if you don't know? So yeah, I totally on board. Um okay, here's one for you. What inspires you?
1: Um what inspires me? That's a great question. What inspires me? I think the first thing that inspires me is getting up and wanting to be better than I was yesterday. So I would say it starts with me. Um uh I I have married way out of my pay grade <laughs> and so her consistency, her grace, her poise, her caring, she comes from a very loving, abundant family. I did not come from that. That inspires me. Um, people who walk the walk, mm-hmm. who live in their truth and who don't care what other people think, they don't, they care what the people that matter think. They don't let society dictate to them. That inspires me. Mm-hmm. People standing up and being honest and truthful about who they are. That inspires me. Um, It's a rare thing. It's rare that I get inspired these days. Wisdom inspires me. Mm. Um, The more I travel, the more I read, the more I experience human beings, the less I know I I realize I know, I don't really know anything, Um,
0: you know, a few things, a few things,
1: things. but we're still figuring it out. I mean, I'm not certain about anything. (laughs) I'm not certain about anything, but you know, I I've certainly got some wisdom. I think uh, that I think knowledge inspires me. Um, Here's the truth. I'm just going to own it. Um, I don't like people at all. (laughs) I love humankind. I do. I I see so much potential in us. But I just wish we would look in the mirror and know it's the problem and solution. And people who own that, who want to be mm. better, not just in business, who want to make impact, who want to be the controllers of their destiny, but also do the work to be better humans, mm. that inspires me.
0: Oh, I love that, Tommy. All right. So here's a good one for you. What would you like your legacy to be? And you're kind of already on your way, but I'll let you answer it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like that. It used to, It's gotten bigger than that. And I, I wanted... It's, it's a huge legacy that I want to live. Here's what I, if I, I'll say this, um, I can honestly say this right now. If I fell over dead today, I would have a heart full of gratitude and no regrets. Mm-hmm. If I had to do it all again, I wouldn't have chosen a lot of things that I chose to do sure. or said the things I said or hurt the people mm-hmm. I wanted to hurt. I would do that differently, but I didn't, I wasn't conscious enough to make those decisions then. And that made me who I am now. Yeah. And so I, I'm i telling you, I would have a grateful heart and no regrets. And to me, if you can, on your last breath, Ooh. if you can say that, you're winning. I can honestly say that. Um, I think legendary about how it helps people with their time, with their purpose, with their money, with their relationships and who they are. That is a legacy. So I'm satisfied with that but to my last breath i never want to stop building this this movement at first it was a million men women's and children's lives transformed mm-hmm. now the the it's countless mm-hmm. is if i leave a legacy if we started taking our power back from whoever they are that's the social media the media the you know if we started becoming the puppeteers and not the puppets if we started thinking for ourselves if we started lead, leading with love and not fear we are taught to lead with fear as many people as i touch if we can get them to lead with love share mm-hmm. wisdom and not advice take their power back make an impact and just be the person they were born to be however many that is then that that's what i want my legacy to be cuz i want it for myself i am yeah. not i am no sage no guru no I walk every day. I struggle. I have my fears. I have my, anxiety. and once a week I have my efforts. Um, and then I'm like, you know, I, but I get up every day, put on my big boy pants, lean in, ask for help. Yeah. To me, my legacy is just every single day being a little bit better than I was yesterday.
0: Oh, I love that. Tommy, where can people find you? I mean, obviously there's your book, but where do people go? Let's yeah. Say. If you're not
1: a reader, I'll read it to you. So, I mean, it's on audible. If my Southern oh, yes. accent doesn't bother you, then let me read it to you. Um, it is an actual book. It's in all the airports, bookstores, paperbacks, softback, electronics, check it out. It's simple. It's fun. It's quick. It's actionable. And I think that's yes. why it's become a wall street journal. And USA say to this, but if you're interested, okay, if, let me tell you who we're not, we're not lazy. We're not apathetic. Mm-hmm. We don't do entitlement. We don't do victimhood. So Mm -hmm. just turn it off if that's you. Um, You don't have to be successful. You just got to want to be successful. But success to me equals freedom. And I'm talking about freedom in your business, freedom in your money, relationships, friendships, and most importantly, with yourself. If that resonates to you, email me directly. I I will, me or a member of my team will email (laughs) you back. I have people who check my email. Tommy at TommyBreedlove.com. We'd love to get you in a legendary life retreat. We'd love to get you in our community, one of our fun experiences. Or most importantly, we'd love you to do life. We want to be the family you choose and do life together. Mm. Uh, men or women, join us. We want to be the family you choose and we will do life with you. And I will do life with you. So if you, if this resonates with you, Tommy at tommybreedlove.com, email me directly.
0: Ah, and with a name like Breed Love. How can you say no to that? Finally living up to it. (laughs) It's awesome. It's awesome. Tommy, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so, so much.
1: Lindsay, you're the best. Thank you.
0: All right. Have a great day, everybody. Stay tuned for another episode of Heartbeat for Hire. Thanks for listening to Heartbeat for Hire. If you like what you hear, I'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave a five-star review. To keep the conversation going, you can find me on Insta or at LinkedIn at h 4 h or you can reach me at my website, heartbeatforhire.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.